Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Before we dive into the lesson today, I want to take a moment and mention a couple of things to you. We just concluded the North Texas Leadership Conference. It just went exceptionally well. That being said, the opening lesson I did was the dangers of the platform, 12 things that can happen on a platform. The response to that lesson was amazing. The number of young leaders who said this lesson has to get out to every leader because we don't talk about it. We assume that the platform is where everyone's going to succeed, but we ignore the dangers of it. I want to encourage you to go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com and you can download that particular lesson, Dangers of the Platform. Also at the North Texas Leadership Conference, what we do is we release my new flash drive. The flash drive has over 50 lessons on it that I taught the previous years. This flash drive is brand new, different messages than any previous one. And these lessons, if they're done on Sunday, include the outlines. So I just want to encourage you that maybe this could be a tool to help you navigate some of the content that could be useful for wherever you are going to speak. And so that is available. And then lastly, my new book, Keys to Effective Living, 10 Principles on how to live effectively, it's available. So if you want to go to my website, GeraldBrooksMinistries.com, you can find any of those lessons and books and flash drive. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Today, I want to tackle a lesson entitled Being Honest as a Leader. Being Honest as a Leader. Before you can ever lead others, you have to be honest about yourself. And if I could start with an illustration, I would begin with the infamous mall map. You know, when you walk into a mall, there is some map that is usually located and the map gives you various locations of stores that maybe you're looking for, but that whole map is keyed to one central location. You are here. That red dot, this is where you're at. Well, as a leader, we have to know where we are. We have to know where our lives are if we're going to be effective. Now, whether you're a leader or a non-leader, there are three dimensions of life. In fact, these three dimensions of life, all of us have lived on each of these dimensions, but one of these dimensions is the primary dimension that you live on as an individual, and then if you take it into the leadership part of your life, that you live on as a leader. So the three dimensions are this, survival, success, and significance. Survival, you're just getting through. Success, you're achieving fruit. Significance, you're leaving a legacy. So those are the three stages of life and dimensions that people live on. Now, 
the truth is, is that if we just took a mass of people, non-leaders, and we put them together, what we would find is that 70% of all people live in survival mode. That's how they conduct their life. Whatever happens today, I'm going to get through today in hopes of being able to manage tomorrow. So in your congregation, 70% of the people are just in survival mode, whether it's their marriage, whether it's their kids, whether it's their job, their business, their health, whether it's just life collectively, it's survival. The success mode, about 25% of people live there. And success is where you're achieving an upside. There's an uptick. Your marriage is getting a little bit better. Your kids are doing all right. Your career is going a little bit better. And so as a result of that, you have the thing called success. Now, what's interesting is in Christian circles, we spend a lot of time talking about survival. Now, we don't use that word but that's what we're talking about. Whether we want to call it our Tuesday night recovery kind of programs, we're just trying to survive something in our life. And then there's success. But ultimately, where our lives are to be is not at survival and success, but at significance. And significance is only 5% of people in any room people who are creating significance. So survival, you're just trying to get through today. Success, there seems to be some kind of positive uptick, but significant where you're living behind a legacy. Now, I want to look at these in terms of leadership, and I want to just examine some biblical characters that were living at these stages. Now, again, let me just go back Everyone, everyone, me, you, has lived in all of these stages. And there may be areas you're surviving in, there may be areas you're succeeding in, and then there may be an area that you're having significance in on any given day. But our goal is to take the mean level, that average level of our life, and to keep increasing it so that we're beyond survival, we're beyond success, and that we are at significance. But I want to take three leaders in the Bible and show what it was like when they were leading through these stages. So the first one is a guy that is very, very familiar. His name is Elijah. And Elijah is the ultimate example of survival mode leadership. Remember, he has stood before the prophets of Baal. He has called down fire from heaven. The prophets of Baal have literally had to uh, run for their lives. And now what do we see? Great victory for Elijah, but now we see him just trying to survive. So what does he do? He hears that Jezebel is coming after him. He is totally consumed by this. He takes off. He runs. He runs and he finds himself near this little creek and there's a juniper tree and God begins to help him. But it's those moments of survival that I want you to see. In Elijah's survival time, there were seven characteristics that stood out. In survival time, what we find is that people lead day-to-day without a meaningful break. 
people lead day to day without a meaningful break. See, he had just had success as he had challenged the prophets of Baal, but he didn't get a break and immediately he's thrown into the next moment, which is a crisis of hearing that his life is being threatened and he takes off and he runs. The survival mode is indicative of just the day-to-day without a break. There's no margin. There's no uh, possibility of just sort of exhaling and taking a breath. There's no moment where you just get to breathe in deeply and you get to pause and you get to reflect. It's just one thing after another, after another, the day-to-day without a break. Second thing is during survival mode, you're frequently distracted from your mission. What was his mission? His mission was one of faith to declare and proclaim of the faith in Jehovah. But he's distracted. Why? Because the next thing, he stands before the prophets of Baal. He succeeds there, but the next thing comes. It's Jezebel, the next thing. So now he's distracted. He's no longer talking about faith. He's now just distracted from his mission. And so when you're in survival mode, there's no longer a goal that you're reaching. It's just getting through whatever you're facing. And so in his case, the day-to-day without a break, frequently distracted from the mission. And then number three, they are captive to the urgent. They are just held captive to the urgent. Uh, What is the loudest and biggest thing? And for him, that was Jezebel right there. He's just captain to the urgent. There's no longer a sense of prioritization in his life. He's just reacting to whatever urgent thing is next. So the loudest, the biggest, and the most urgent thing is now dictating his behavior. So day to day without a break, frequently distracted from a mission, captive to the urgent, and feeling like life is out of control. There's no longer a sense of control in any area of the life. It's not that You can't control something. You just don't feel. Everything just feels like you're being consumed by the moment. And then probably the telltale sign of survival mode is easily frustrated and angry. Man, everything sets you off. Your fuse is just so short. It just takes one thing, man, you are exploding. You are losing it. You are being overwhelmed by it, easily frustrated and angry. You find yourself being disappointed and angry about every little thing. It starts eating at you. And then as we see play out in Elijah's life, number six, you have little energy. There's just not energy to do anything. You just don't think you can do anything. You don't feel like you can do anything. You don't think. And so you start saying stupid things like he said, Lord, it would be better if I died. Well, we all know that if he wanted to die, Jezebel was willing to help him out. And he had run from that. He's running for his life. Now he's saying he wants to die. Why? He is just out there. Little energy. And then small things seem big. Everything. Lord, I'm just the only one. I'm the only one that really cares about you. I'm the only one that really loves you. I'm the only one. 
I'm the only one. Every leader has been there where we get caught up in survival mode. We just get caught up in the day-to-day and there's never any margin to breathe. We get distracted from our mission because of whatever has happened. We get captive to the urgent. Man, people are just saying, do this, do this. We feel like everything's out of control. We find ourselves being angry about the littlest thing. There's no energy in our lives. We feel like that we have nothing but fumes left. And small things seem big. Now, survival mode is one of those things that everyone's been in. But God also shows us in Elijah's life what has to happen in survival mode. In survival mode, you have to be able to stop and regain perspective. So what is God going to do? He's going to say, hey, you're going to sit by this tree until I tell you to go. God's going to create margin. Secondly, you have to be nourished. God's going to have an angel bring him food. But for us, that is the Bible, our prayer time. And then there has to be an enlarged perspective. Hey, you're not the only one that's doing this. There's thousands of others. And not only are there thousands of others, you think you're the the best of the best and you've got it all together. I'm going to show you your replacement. Ministry's going to go on beyond you. So survival mode. Now, the next zone is the success zone. And the example of this is Solomon. Solomon was the poster child of success. He was the individual that had success on dimensions and levels that probably few have ever achieved. He had it as far as the economy of his life. He had it as far as the building, the structures around his life. He had success. Now, here's the thing about the success zone. Just like the survival zone, the success zone is characterized by seven things. Ministry opportunities. In the success zones, you have more opportunities coming your way than you can handle. In fact, here's the interesting thing. If you want to stop someone from being successful, give them a lot of great opportunities so that they overextend and they overdo and they lose their sense of this one thing I do. I watch young ministers who have the fastest growing churches across America. And what happens is they start being invited to things and they say yes to it. And then they're invited to something else and they say yes. And they're invited to something else. And pretty soon their success becomes their failure. Why? Because with success comes opportunities. But every opportunity isn't a God opportunity. But with Solomon, opportunities came. People wanted to know Solomon. People wanted to be close to Solomon. People wanted to have um, basically partnerships with, with Solomon. He had opportunities from everywhere. 
The second thing is people follow your leadership. See, when you're surviving, people watch you. When you're succeeding, people follow you. So people are going to literally follow him. And they're just going to follow him. Why? Because he's got the track record. He's proven to be a success. And so he has the track record. And then thirdly, there's fruitfulness. Not only are you achieving success, but that success is achieving success. So you get into ventures and those ventures are working and they're working better and better. And then there's a sense of purpose. For Solomon, when he started, the sense of purpose is, God, give me wisdom to lead your people. Give me wisdom to lead your people. See, this is the thing. When success comes, it's usually based on a purpose. And he had that sense. Also, personal growth is occurring. He's growing. And we know early in Solomon's life that he just kept remembering the things that his dad taught him. And as he remembers those things that his dad taught him, he's just beginning to grow and embrace those. What was information began to be application. And then you learn your energy cycle. You, you learn that you're not good all times of the day, but there are times of the day when you're better. You may be the morning person. You may be the night person, but you find out when you're good and you start tackling things because you're putting your best energy against the best things so that you can achieve the best. And in the success area, other people see what God's doing. See, when you're successful, people know it's not you. They're smart enough to know you And they're smart enough to know when it's not you. So with Elijah, you see survival, just the day-to-day getting the best. But with Solomon early on in his life, there are opportunities just being thrown at him. People are following him. He's beginning to have fruit. There's a sense of a clear purpose. This is what I'm supposed to do. He keeps growing and that growth is compounding. And he learns about himself so that he's giving his best to the best. And other people are seeing the hand of God on him. See, in survival, the focus is on us. In success, the focus is on God. And as long as Solomon was focused on God, everything worked. But here's the thing. In Christian circles, we've made success the highest rung of the ladder. We've made it the ultimate outcome of what we're trying to achieve. But that's not the end for us. In fact, as we've taught you before in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, God says to Joshua, and I'll give you good success. All success isn't good. There are successful people that are succeeding and the success isn't going to be good for them and it's not going to be good for others. And as I said before, the devil will let you succeed 
if that will stop you from achieving God's purpose. And unfortunately, we'll see that in Solomon's life. His success was going to get the best of him. And the success and all the opportunities were going to be the reason that he didn't end in the will of God. So, you have survival, you have success, but then there's significance. And significance is illustrated by the Apostle Paul. Now, let's just be honest. The Apostle Paul didn't start his journey towards significance with the best resume. He had afflicted the church. He had made sure that people were thrown in prison. And yes, he had stood there while people were killed, Stephen. But when he came to God, he had already been used to success, but God showed him something else. I'm going to show you how to have significance. Because in Philippians 3, he says, I have the resume of the resumes. You want success? I'll tell you what success is. But Paul wanted something bigger than success. He wanted significance. Now, again, significance is characterized by a few things. The few things are an atmosphere of growth. Paul was avid about growing. He would never take a step back from growing. He was growth-centered. He was growth-charged. He would grow. So Paul always created an atmosphere of growth for himself and anyone who was around him. And so he was one of those individuals that growth was his mandate. Secondly, a single-minded focus on the mission. What did Paul say? Forgetting those things that are behind. This one thing. He never got distracted. He never let success get him off. He never let the ease of life and the comfort of life get the best of him. He was going to grow and he was single-minded on the mission at hand. Lives are really changed, number three. What we know is that he's going to leave behind people whose lives are going to be better. Entire regions where the gospel had never been preached will hear the gospel. Lives will be impacted. Number four, an attitude of hope when facing problems. We know it about Paul. When he was told that he would be bound, but what did he say? He says, I know that troubles await me in every city that I go, but none of these things move me. Why? Because his hope was bigger than the hardship. When hardship is bigger than your hope, you become overwhelmed. But when your hope is bigger than your hardship, hardship cannot stop you. And another thing in significance, you're leading leaders and not just followers. See, leaders were drawn to Paul. Leaders would come. People who were prolific in their own leadership journey, they came to sit at the feet of Paul. So when life is significant, there's an atmosphere of growth. 
When life is significant, you're single-minded on the mission. When life is significant, lives are really, really being changed. And when lives are significant, attitudes of hope when facing problems. And when life is significant, you lead leaders, not just followers. So let me go over. There's an atmosphere of growth. There's a single-minded focus. Lives are being changed by your lives. An attitude of hope when facing hardship. And you are leading leaders, not just followers. And influence is multiplied. The influence is beginning to multiply and it's beginning to have larger, greater. And so there's the compound effect that is going on. And the multiplication factor is occurring. You're not adding. You're now multiplying because you're leading leaders who are leading others. And it's no longer one plus one, but it's now multiplication. So significance in life, an atmosphere of growth, single-minded focus on a mission. Lives are changed. Attitude of hope when facing problems. You're leading leaders, not just followers. Influence is increasing and multiplication factor is occurring. So with that being said, where are you at? Remember the mall map? You are here. Where are you at? You're here. Are you just in survival mode? Are you in success mode? Are you significant? Let me just give a few takeaways as we begin to close. My first takeaway is this. No leader can run on ambition. Because all ambition is, is ego in in disguise. So no leader can run on ambition alone. Now, I've never met a leader who didn't want to do more, who didn't want to achieve more. But whatever we do and whatever we achieve, that can't be the only thing because it will always be propelling you, but it will also be disappointing you because when you get there, you'll feel like that's not enough. So takeaways, you can't run on ambition alone because ambition is usually just your ego in disguise. Two, sustaining Ministry requires regular refueling. You cannot sustain ministry without being refueled. And that's one of the things I hope the podcast does. I hope that you're dedicated to listen to them because you're getting content and you're getting inspiration and you're receiving something. Sustained ministry requires regular refueling. But another thing in leadership, you have to lose the idea that everyone's going to be happy. I've said it for years. In leadership, our job is to help the hurting, not the unhappy. Unhappy people are unhappy by choice. Hurting people are hurting because of circumstances. So just some takeaways. 
you can't run on ambition. Everyone has a next, but if all it is is ambition, there's got to be something. There has to be a mission, a calling. There has to be a destiny that you're trying to achieve something that's bigger than you. If you're going to sustain in leadership, you have to have regular refueling where you find things that feed your soul. And you have to lose the idea that everyone's going to be happy when you lead because they're not. And four, you always have to remember the score's not kept down here. Just because you're winning down here doesn't mean that you're winning up there. And the ultimate score isn't the one we keep. It is the one that God keeps. Well, it's a simple question. As a leader, can you be honest? Do you know where you are and do you know what you're doing? I hope that maybe these thoughts will give you some groundwork that you can begin to look at and you can begin to maybe move forward a little bit. And I pray that they're helpful to you. Again, GeraldBrooksMinistry.com has our schedule. It has our flash drive. It has my new book, Keys to Effective Living. It has the lessons, dangers of the platform. I hope you go there, download that lesson. I think it would be helpful to you. But thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.